Greetings, Dysfunctionals. This segment of the Reality Dysfunction is the first of a two-part conversation that myself, Dr. Ernesto, and Reality Dysfunction co-host Francisco Lopez had with three educator leaders in the movement to bring ethnic and Chicano studies to K-12 schools in the state of Arizona. Lupe Carrasco Cardona, Sean Arce, and Elias Serna are talking with us about the current struggle against the co-optation of ethnic studies into a hero's holiday and food curriculum that purports to celebrate differences while simultaneously providing no meaningful critique of the oppression of brown folks within the U.S. settler colonial system. Many of you will remember Brother Arce as one of the leaders in the Tucson MAS struggle when the state of Arizona passed HB 2281, outlawing the teaching of Mexican-American studies. Our conversation starts with Brother Arce recounting some of the events leading up to the overturning of HB 2281, first by the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit Court in 2015, and then by Judge Wallace Tashima, who reversed himself in 2017 and found the state of Arizona acted with racial animus in passing HB 2281. What's going on, gente? Francisco, right here from Inland Empire, educator, Moreno Valley. Good evening, everybody. Sean Arce. I'm, um, I'm currently a uh, ethnic studies teacher in Los Angeles Unified, Central Los Angeles. I'm also a member of CHITO, the uh, Chicano Institute for Teaching and Organizing, and, and I am in uh, a huge support of the Association of Raza Educators, uh, hoping to join them in their efforts here on the local level. Very honored, humbled to be here with each and every one of you. Hello, I'm Guadalupe Carrasco Cardona. I'm a teacher in um, downtown Los Angeles at Roy Ball Learning Center. Been a teacher for 21 years. I've taught, you know, the social studies, ethnic studies, and all of the English from the freshmen through seniors. Lo- love my job, love all of the, the young humans. I've been able to um, be a part of their learning journey over these years. I'm also the chair of the Association of Raza Educators. And also, um, you know, a, a big fan of, of Chito as well. You know, there, there are lots of great um, institutes out there, but, you know, Chito is the one for me that felt like home. The, the minute I saw Norma um, drumming and, and singing in the opening, I was like, this is, this is dope. This is like ceremonia in the classroom. So it really helped me on, on my, my journey as an educator as well. I'm Elia Serna from Santa Monica, West L.A., I'm a recent PhD in English and rhetoric, and I'm also a Chicano Studies professor. I've taught since uh, 2001 at CSUN. I'm also a a co-founder of the Chicano pop-up book movement, Raza Studies Now, and um, we've done uh, Chicano pop-up book presentations at Chico. It reminds me, that's where I think a lot of us met. I mean, even Sean, I met Sean at, at the... MAS transformative conferences, and then um, Todd and Lupe. We, we kind of met through Chito or at Chito at these conferences. And I've also taught ethnic studies at Santa Monica High School uh, in the Long Beach Unified program. And this last uh, academic year, I was an assistant English professor at the University of Redlands. For those of you who know, you know that uh, Brother Arce was one of the main drivers in the the Tucson Mexican-American studies struggle. That struggle itself has been really well documented. What I was hoping that uh, you could do, Sean, start us off around the the court victory uh, where 
HB 2281 was struck down as unconstitutional and then bring us forward to what's happening right now in uh, California? Yeah, definitely. You're going to make me reverse it going backwards. That's, I've never done this. I'll start in there, but I got to be quick on my feet. You know, in 2010, the, the state of Arizona passed the uh, anti-ethnic studies law. There are several provisions within that law. Uh, namely, um, you know, they said school districts or classes cannot teach in a way that promotes resentment against white people, that uh, attempts to overthrow the, the U.S. government, etc. And so the, these pro- four provisions, uh, uh, we were part of a um, an ethnic studies program, I think still one of one of its kind, a K through 12 comprehensive Mexican-American Raza Studies program. And we started that in 1998. 12 years forward, 2010, the state of Arizona uh, passes this law, so we contested it in the federal courts. The first time around in the district court, we lost. The teachers were found to not have uh, any legal standing because we're state, we're public officers of the state, right? And so our children proceeded on with the lawsuit. We ended up going to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. And I think in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal in San Francisco in 2015 was probably the first time that Chicago Studies as a discipline has been on trial at that level, right? The Ninth Circuit being right below the uh, right below SCOTUS. And so the, the trial was remanded back to the federal district court, still the, the federal courts, Due to that, you know, that possibility of racial animus towards Mexicans, Chicanos, Chicanas, right? And so uh, it was remanded back. And then in 2019, we went through a 10-day trial. And I believe, I don't know if Francisco might have been there, but everybody else here was was present, right, at the proceedings. And so uh, a 10-day trial spanning over two months, uh, one week, one consecutive week in the month of June and then one consecutive week in the month of July. So this, uh, mind you, this was a seven-year legal struggle. And we merely saw it as a, an obligation to our community, right? Uh, saw so it as an obligation to our, our antepasados who had struggled so much for us. And then our, our own familia's experiences within the school system, right? A system that uh, uh, is dehumanizing, that is deculturalizing. You know, an example, my parents... Born and raised in, in, in Tucson, Arizona, right? They were they were really uh, dehumanized in that school system. Their names were changed. They were hit for being Spanish. You know, literally, both metaphorically and physically, right? They, they, they try to beat the Mexican out of our parents, and so we are legacies of that trauma. We endured that trauma, and so we needed to uh, counter that, right? to honor that struggle that our parents had gone through. Finally, in 2017, the U.S. District Court ruled that the state of Arizona enacted, which is creating the law, and enforced the law through racial animus toward Mexican-Americans, Chicanos. And that's significant. It's a very significant case in that uh, it's first time again Chicano studies has been through the federal court systems. Uh, interestingly, we were, you know, it's very difficult to prove racial animus in the courts, almost impossible, right, to win racial discrimination. 
lawsuits at the federal level. And so uh, it's significant for those reasons. It's significant in that it, it, I really believe it has informed and inspired, right? People could learn a lot from the great strength that we had and the awesome curriculum, but they could also learn from some of the missteps that we took and improve upon and build upon what took place in, in Tucson. So those are, those are some of the implications, and we see it, uh, ethnic studies, Chicano, Chicano studies, uh, spreading nationwide. And, and we've been fortunate to engage and, and develop these beautiful relationships, you know, with uh, folks like Sister Lupe here, who is, um, you know, a, a true uh, ethnic studies uh, practitioner, right? I, I consider ethnic studies scholar activist because she is not only involved in the classroom, but she's leading the efforts, you know, honoring, uh, you know, this past year, honoring the 50th anniversary of the Chicano Moratorium and numerous other efforts Lupe is involved with. So these, you know, our struggle has allowed us to make these really critical connectas with folks like Elias, folks like yourself, Francisco, Lupe. Okay. Um, so those are some of the implications in terms of education and developing these necessary relationships, right? And, and it's really like familia. It's, it, we all understand the critical moving this work forward. And we see it as continuous with the Chicano movement. It's not something that uh, came out of nowhere, right? And we also were informed and inspired by the Chicano movement, and we need to continue that. Some of the other implications of the case are uh, some uh, some other outside of the realm of education. The Odyssey case has been <clears throat> utilized to uh, initially uh, stop the Muslim ban. You know, this administration, Trump's Muslim ban, in the, in the various district courts, about three or four, uh, the Arce case was invoked to stop the Muslim ban. Unfortunately, uh, that, has since been, that has since been determined as being constitutional. But yet, uh, another very significant case that is part of our greater movimiento, right? Part of the Chicano Mexicano movement, I believe, and uh, beyond that, right? To uh, extending that to our Centro Americano uh, familia, our relatives, right? Is the the whole DACA case, right? So DACA, uh, this administration also tried to eliminate DACA, okay? And uh, DACA in the federal courts was challenged, and at those lower federal courts and at the at the Ninth Circuit specifically, the Arce case was invoked. State of Arizona to actually stop Trump's elimination of DACA. And then it was also in the recent ruling uh, that went to the Supreme Court this last summer, or that this last uh, December, I believe it was, and the ruling took place, uh, Arce was also invoked, right? So we see that Chicago Studies is not uh, just within the realm of the, uh, you know, the four walls of our classroom, but it extends well beyond that in terms of everyday life. And that's the intention of it, right? Our connection, if there's no community connection to what we are teaching in the class, no relevancy, you know, we're not doing ethnic studies, you know. Uh, we might just be doing something uh, like the state of California is proposing a celebration of, of, of holidays, heroes, uh, some superficial uh, things. That is not ethnic studies. Ethnic studies is about, you know, countering, specifically countering all of those systems of oppression, right? and moving our community forward, right? And working in the best political, economic, social interests of the Chicano community and all oppressed peoples. 
that's where I am right now. And I'm very fortunate to be in, in, in Los Angeles with uh, with a beautiful community, majority brown community, significant black community, a, a very history community right there along the south, uh, the Central Avenue corridor with, uh, you know, with the Black Panthers, with the Black Power Movement, with the Chicano Movement, going way back to, you know, the Pachuco days of World War II. You know, that we are, again, we are merely extensions of that history. We are merely extensions of that struggle. And we have that responsibility. And I, you know, I'm just honored to be in the position because of each and every one of you here to be able to continue that work and embrace it as an obligation right to continue that work for and with our community so that's where we are right now uh i'm i'm I'm, and i'm teaching ethnic studies and you know and there's a lot going on that uh lupe because of her intimacy with with this uh with this whole process and her involvement and her struggle and and you know folks like elias who've been here in los angeles you know uh, starting off rasa studies now etc it's just uh, it's it's exciting. It's really exciting to be to help um, uh, be a part and assist in this movimiento that we're currently in right now. It, I think the other thing too is, and I'd be interested in hearing what some of you think about this. Was we talk more about what's going on in California? You know, it really it seemed to me at that point too, like in the earlier of the 2000s, that Chicano studies, ethnic studies, was was kind of on a decline that it wasn't growing at the rate that it was. And so, I mean, this, you know, historic struggle that took place uh, in Tucson and then in the courts, I mean, has completely redefined for a couple of generations of, of Chicanas and Chicanos how important these study programs are. I just wanted to say that. I wanted to get a chance to say that on tape. Uh, it's not tape, though, because <laughs> we don't use tape. <laughs> we no, use I, I, I agree with you, Ernesto, and, and I think that's part of the beauty of it. You know, it's one of those mixed blessings where the attacks on the community really became the spreader of the seeds, right? The spreader of the seeds that are blossoming. And I really give credit to uh, to you all, you know, in Tucson in particular, because I see some of the results that took place this past November 2nd, November, you know, the, during the election um, as really being a, an extension of the work you all had been doing, yeah. because I'm sure a lot of those community organizers, a lot of those voters, a lot of those community members that took the time that had put the, the effort, had, you know, walked the pavement to organize the community were truly part of your y'all's uh, efforts and an extension of that. So I expected in Texas that there would they would have some problems with this, but I thought that California would be a slam dunk. I, I really did. I'm not going to lie. So what's going on in California? I mean, Lupe, Elias, I mean, like what 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 are these people doing? So, Elias, do you want to do you want to speak to like the the like resurgence of the movement um, after what happened in, in Tucson? And and then we can kind of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then yeah, and I think you you have the details on this current the the hijacking as, as some of us are calling it of the of the policy. I, I think um, just um, I'll try to put it in a nutshell. I mean, and, and it's interesting to talk about this timeline. And uh, Francisco and Ernesto bring up a great point that the um, 
you know, this uh, the mixed blessing of this destruction of, of Chicano studies, the attack in Arizona furthered the, the blossoming of ethnic studies like nationally, really, you know, Texas, uh, Chicago, New York, other states, the whole Southwest, California caught fire. I remember in 2011, 2012, that there was a change in wording from Save Ethnic Studies, which was, I think, the name of the teacher group that started to spread ethnic studies. We had the metaphors of the, I thought that, I think it was too much. Sometimes I crossed the line, but uh, I remember trying to spread the idea of the prairie fire, like little house on the prairie on fire. No, but you know, the idea of spreading ethnic studies. And then the metaphor that really took off was seeds. Because I remember Jose, you know, he kind of talks about it in uh, Precious Knowledge in the film. And then UCLA had their Chinachli program, the whole concept of the seed. I thought we brought in, we used to uh, read Ernesto Cardenal, his phrase, um, they try to bury you, but you were a seed. That comes from a 1954 poem that I remember doing a paper on that in college. And we started bringing that. And I had Central American students at Cal State Long Beach. We were reading that poem a lot in 20 and in 2017, 2018. And um, and that metaphor that they try to bury us, but there were seeds. We started circulating that. And then I think Ayotzinapa happened and they, were, and they started using that phrase over there. And then Black Lives Matters used it. And then recently someone said, oh, it comes from a Greek poet in the 80s. I said, Chale, man, you know, people are always, and this goes, you know, this is anecdotal of what's going on. People never give us credit and they never let us have anything. You know, it's like, it's not yours. It's ours. BS, man. It's from 1954. That's a, that's a Nicaraguan and a Chicano invention. Nicaraguan wrote it in 54. And in Tucson, we popularized that phrase, you know, and to the point where uh, they're using it with the George Floyd protests, you know, up to this day. And so, you know, I think sometimes we have to own our stuff. And that's, uh, we're not raised that way sometimes, but we kind of are. My mom always told us, no sean dejados. Don't let yourself be taken. Don't don't let yourself be abused. You know, be, be assertive. And so I think it's a time to be assertive. And uh, j- just to wrap up the seed spreading, I want to say that a, a lot of it starts off with the first Rasa Studies Now conferences. We modeled them after the because we had been attending the transformative conferences that MAS did in Tucson. And the first summer after the court, and because they were in so much protest, we took on a conference and we did it at Santa Monica College. We did two in a row there. Then we did the third one at PYFC. So we did 2012, 13, and 2014. And we did one 2015. We were just pushing. We we're pushing the the idea, Javier San Roman from Adre, we had a conversation one time. What are we? Are we Knox? Are we, are we like an organized? Are we activists? We're teachers. And we said that the Raza Studies Now was a platform. We're putting up this platform and we always emphasize practitioners. We brought in the local ethnic studies high school teachers that we had. And also people like Juan Gomez Quinones spoke. Descanse Paz and Power and Rudy Acuna and Jenny Luna and a bunch of um, activist scholars. And uh, but we always had high school 
practitioners talking about Chicano studies, ethnic studies. Melina Abdullah, Alex Sanchez from Homies Unidos spoke at a Raza Studies now. And so we try to get the fires going. The, the other little metaphor I use is that Raza Studies now for four years, we would run the football like two yards, three yards. We would get some things going. And then Jose Lara and Arre, <coughs> I don't want to promote the cult of personality, but I really admired um, Jose and, and the folks at Arre and Union del Barrio. They took the ball and they ran it 100 yards for a touchdown. And that was 20, I think it was 2015 when it passed at El Rancho, the high school, the high school requirement. Then San Francisco Unified passed it, and like the same or the next week, LA Unified. Those were two of the of the largest districts. And once they passed it, then it was an earthquake, and all kinds of um, high school districts throughout the state. I think of 2015 might have been the year that that it really took off. And then everybody starts creating classes, programs, high school requirements. Santa Monica was an early pioneering group. And, and just to end my part, the, in Santa Monica, and again, it's anecdotal, we, we brought in Sean to develop a program. The school district politicized it, they, and they didn't like Chicanos. You know, I'll say that on the air. Santa Monica School District is afraid of Chicanos. They don't like us. They never um, have us in uh, positions of power unless we put ourselves, force ourselves there. And so they, 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 they hired Sean for like two years and let him go. So they hijacked our ethnic studies programs in Santa Monica. And in a similar way, I think the state policy, the state superintendent is they're getting in front of the, of the wagon and they're trying to, and, and forget the wagon, that's pioneer, but they're, they're getting in front of the train and they're trying to drive it. But see, that's a movement and it's also teachers organizing and we need to take it back. But the last thing I do want to say is that Ben Allen is at the head of it. There's there's probably a few people, but Ben Allen, I'll single him out because he's the, the director of the California Department of Education. He's a high-ranking senator, and he's also the chair of the California State Jewish Caucus. That group in particular uh, did, did some major manipulation to hijack ethnic studies. And I'm, I know Lupe will go into um, detail, but for the record, Ben Allen is from my hometown, Santa Monica, and I've said this before, he's from uh, the wealthy part of an already wealthy city. It's like saying like he's from the wealthy part of Beverly Hills. And Ben Allen is happens to be from the same neighborhood that Stephen Miller, the, the right-wing Nazi that was in the Trump White House, they grew up in the same neighborhood. I'm not going to say they're, they're ideological twins, but they have, they have a lot of similarities. They play a neoliberal anti-Mexican political agenda. Uh, ben Allen is a, is a typical liberal, Santa Monica liberal, but he has never championed Chicano issues in Santa Monica. And he, he orchestrated the takeover of ethnic studies. So uh, is the problem is the problem with ethnic studies is that includes Chicano studies? Chicanos are the problem in ethnic studies, huh? And uh, they bring up a very specious argument that Jews are ethnic and we should be part of ethnic studies. And on paper, and at the surface, it makes sense, but it's a, spe a specious argument. It's, it's a false, uh, disingenuous argument. The Jewish community has a history of, of operating with their whiteness. 
And Ben Allen, for the record, I, I never have seen him as, as a persecuted minority in the city of Santa Monica. I've always understood Ben Allen as being a rich white boy from north of Montana, the wealthy part of an already wealthy city. So I'll end with that. Well, you're you're absolutely correct about um, uh, Ben Allen and the um, Jewish uh, Legislative Caucus. So I have to kind of give some context also. So back in like late 2018 is when the California Department of Education brought together educators who would be on the um, model curriculum advisory committee. And so I wasn't one of the writers. I was just an advisor that was kind of saying, we need more of this, tweak that, that needs to come out. And so we we essentially at that time said, look, three meetings is not enough time to put out a good you know, critical curriculum. And what we were told over and over again was AB 2016 does not have, have the funding to like bring you all together. And when I say funding, I'm not talking about they paid us because we all did it as volunteers. Like what they paid for was just our air flight and our lunch. Okay. So we essentially, you know, went there on our own. Like we all had to take days off of work and whatnot to be there. And so um, supposedly there wasn't any money. And then we finally got through our three meetings and we did the best we could. Right. And so if you really want to know, it isn't the Chicano, Chicana section, the Latino, Latina section that has been the big, you know, issue. It's actually our, um, Asian American section because we wanted the Arab American studies to be in there, right? And the, um, across the state of California in various um, Asian American departments, they've agreed that the Arab American section belongs there, but specifically what caused like the crazy, you know, uh, the crazies to come out was um, a, a lesson that included um, the boycott, divestment and sanctions against Israel. When we finished our three sessions, there was a very quiet period And that was because um, the crazies were actually going against um, the health curriculum that was being written at the same around the same time. And so all those that were, you know, that didn't want anything having to do with like LGBTQ or anything having to do with those types of issues were were um, really like focused on that. But when Ben Allen and um, the Jewish caucus um, sort of took note of like, oh, whoa, hold on, there's this Arab American section in there. And we, we did have a Palestinian amazing educator on our um, advisory committee who put together under pressure of no time, these really great lessons, right? And that was actually what caused the storm. After a quiet period of not hearing anything, the curriculum was open for public comment. And it was like, we're already getting towards the end of public comment, like maybe like two weeks left when finally we started getting phone calls. Like I literally had on my, my cell phone messages from um, like Breitbart, from the Wall Street Journal, from, from the, uh, the Los Angeles Times, various reporters that were wanting to interview me about specifically that, that Arab studies. And so as a group, the original advisors, we all said that we were going to stand in solidarity that 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 section belongs there because our guiding principles are very clear the history of ethnic studies is very clear that 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 um that ethnic group belongs in there and so it has gone through several iterations of lessons being pulled out names being pulled out words being pulled out guiding principles being altered to the the iteration of where it is right now. And at this juncture, they've added a whole extra, um, I think they're calling it not the, um, it's not an addendum, but um, there's like a whole extra section that where they've added lessons 
um, on Armenian American studies and also um, Jewish American studies. And so, yeah, it's it's really been it's very obvious that um, the the issue is that we have like the Zionists that are just like very much wanting to control the narrative of the curriculum. And if you say anything about that, if you critique that in any way, then you are called um, anti-Semitic, right? Which is completely ridiculous, right? Like to say that is very illogical to automatically say all these folks are anti-Semitic because of wanting to recognize the atrocious conditions that Palestinians have endured in, in Palestine. It's not logical, right? It's like it doesn't make you anti-Semitic to, to be against that. It's uh, it's similarly like you know I have issues with you know what the Mexican government uh, does to indigenous peoples, what it does to Central Americans as they come through. Uh, I have uh, critiques of AMLO and a lot of the policies that have happened, but that doesn't make me anti-Mexican, right? That doesn't make me or you know it's just it's just these really illogical sorts of um, uh, accusations that have been forged against those of us that are that are working on this curriculum. So we have come together, the original um, advisors, plus other educators like Sean and, um, and, and many others from the North and the South, from the four racialized ethnic groups. And we're putting together our own uh, liberated ethnic studies model curriculum. And we're doing that because we want to ensure that when, when this does become a graduation requirement, when more students are actually taking these courses that they're taking it, and it's actually not like Sean said earlier, the holidays, foods and heroes curriculum. We do not want a diversity curriculum. We do not want a multicultural curriculum. We want an actual critical ethnic studies. Um, and, and we know that we need it because that is actually why MAS in Tucson was actually so uh, effective because they weren't just giving this little like, you know, you're beautiful and here's, here's a tamal and, you know, this is the history of it. They were actually being very critical of, you know, historical elements, historical oppression, genocide, um, colonization, the things that our people have actually endured, right? But with that critical hope, and we know that that works, right? And so, if they just give us this watered-down curriculum, it's gonna it's gonna really cheat, you know, California students out of the actual true critical history that they need to um, to know to be knowledgeable of. But in in addition to that, it also takes away protections from teachers. Because I will tell you that you're right. Like you would think in California it would be a slam dunk. I've been a teacher for 21 years. I have taught in California. I have taught in Arizona and I have taught in Texas. And I have only ever felt, I mean, not just felt, have been a victim of, um, of censorship in the state of California. And, um, and it shows you too, like one of the districts that, that censored me was actually the one that Elias talked about earlier, which was the one that brags about being the first district to pass ethnic studies as a graduation requirement. And that's El Rancho School District. If you are Chicana and you're teaching, you know, your classroom, you know, Chicano, Chicano studies, then they say that you are racist, which is completely ridiculous, because if you come into my classroom and if you see um, a student from Guatemala, if you see a student from El Salvador, from Puerto Rico, from, uh, you know, from Jamaica, wherever they're from, I'm going to help 
help like center my curriculum around their lived like you know their lived histories their lived you know um and, but without ever actually seeing and, and analyzing what we do they come in and they throw oh you're racist why because they don't actually want to see us be effective they just want um little youth to want a piece of this American pie, right? Because that's what they think social justice is. Put black, brown, indigenous bodies in college, um, put them into these corporate positions and have them do the same old thing that, the, that you know, this country does, right? Like if they, that's what they think if you kind of replicate that, that social justice. And we're saying no, we're saying there's something wrong with this system. We want black, brown and indigenous bodies and in universities to learn about it and to transform and to, and to um, end all of this oppression not to be like to continue the you know the, the roles of the oppressor thanks for listening to the first part of this important conversation about chicano studies the struggle for knowledge about self and community is one that affects us all look for part two in the coming days in the meantime leave us a comment and follow the reality dysfunction on podbean and like our reality dysfunction facebook page we hope to hear from you soon